Welcome to the PLUS podcast. I'm Rachel Thomas. Recently, we asked cosmologist Paul Figueres everything we've ever wanted to know about black holes. In this podcast, he explains how you describe black holes mathematically and how they were predicted by Einstein's theories. You said they're to do with Einstein's theory of general relativity. So were they first predicted by the mathematical equations of that theory? Yeah, well, in fact, uh, Einstein published his theory in late 1915, and uh, only a few months later, in ni- early 1916, Schwarzschild uh, found the first solution of the Einstein equation that describes uh, uh, the gravitational field of a spherically symmetric body, and in particular describes a black hole. Uh, but at that time, it wasn't understood that that solution corresponded to a black hole. And in fact, uh, even in the 30s, you know, the greatest mind of that time, Einstein himself, despised the idea of a black hole because it contained a singularity, namely a place where curvature is so large that even general relativity breaks down. So it took nearly 60 years or 50 years to really understand what a black hole is. And this was done only in the, in the 1960s. So we had this solution from the early days of general relativity, but until the 1960s we understand that that corresponds to a black hole. And moreover, only then we sort of started to understand that those solutions are physical and they were important in nature. So what has it got to do with the curvature of space-time? How, do, how does that work in a, to do with the black hole? Well, black hole... Um, objects in which the curvature of the space-time is very large. So the strength of the gravitational field is measured in terms of the curvature, uh, and because black holes are very massive and they are very small, then gravity is very strong in those, and um, and this is, gets translated into the fact that curvature is very large. So one way to characterize the curvature uh, is, if you want, uh, it's something called the, the Schwarzschild radius, um, the Schwarzschild radius is more or less the size that a given object with a given mass should have in order for it to be a black hole. So, for instance, uh, if we manage to concentrate all the mass of the Earth into a sphere of a radius of a few centimeters, then that object would be a black hole. Of course, we know that this cannot happen because there are other forces in nature which prevent this from happening, uh, but for other circumstances, this can happen, and and this is precisely what happens in, in very massive stars, that when they run out of nuclear fuel, then they cool down, then they collapse, and at some point, they become small enough so that the whole mass fits within its own Schwarzschild radius, and therefore they form a black hole. For the Sun, the Schwarzschild radius of the Sun is uh, of the order of a few kilometers, so if we manage to concentrate the whole mass of the Sun in the, to a sphere of a few kilometers, then that would be a black hole. But with the sun, this is not going to happen. Um, people often say that black holes can be characterized by quite a few features, like their mass and their size. Can you explain that a bit yeah. more? So one of the reasons why black holes are so important in our understanding of general relativity is, is because of their simplicity, because they are made of the most fundamental building blocks of the theory, namely space, and time alone. Um, so they are very simple, and therefore we can understand them. This should be contrasted with, say, other gravitational objects, such as a star, in which, in order to understand a star, you need to take into account general relativity, but you also need to understand you know, 
nuclear physics to account for nuclear reactions, you need to understand plasma physics to understand the transport of heat within the star. And this just gets very complicated, so it's very difficult, and we are often led to study this, these objects within certain approximations. But we don't have to do that with black holes, because they are only made of space and time, so we have a complete understanding of them within our theory alone, so we don't need any other piece of physics. And this simplicity gets translated into the fact that they are just described in terms of some very few parameters. So in the vacuum case, if the black hole is static, then it must be spherical, and there's only one parameter characterizing the black hole, namely its mass. But objects in nature, like stars, they rotate, so the black holes that occur in nature should have some rotation. So there is a corresponding generalization of the Schwarzschild solution that incorporates rotation, and this is called the Kerr solution, which was found in the 1960s. So Schwarzschild solution was found months after Einstein published its theory, but it took another 50 years to find the general solution which has rotation and is relevant to describe the black holes of nature. This Kerr solution is described entirely by just two parameters, namely the mass and the spin of the black hole. So with these two parameters, we are, you can fully characterize all black holes of nature. And we don't need to make any approximation to understand those objects. And this is why they are so important. And in this sense, they are no different than elementary particles, because elementary particles, within a theory, we only need to specify a few parameters, and that's it, that's all you need. So the same with black holes. So these are, black holes are the elementary particles of general relativity. Somebody recently mentioned that they thought that black holes were really still the biggest open mystery of general relativity. Is that right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that, because black holes as I said, are a prediction of general relativity. And we know of several instances in nature where we think that they should occur, and we haven't detected them yet. So it, it's still uh, an open question whether uh, they, are, uh, they are there or not, or whether they have the properties that general relativity predicts. Now, this is important because most of the tests that we have done about general relativity concern what's called the weak field regime. So it only, uh, we've only been able to test linearized gravity, that is to say, situations where gravity is weak, or relatively weak. So, uh, for example, we've, we've tested bending of light, the uh, precession of the perihelion of Mercury. This is just a, a linear effect. Is gravity is weak near the Sun, for instance, or on the Earth, it's weak. Detecting black holes would be important because... Um, the signals that we would get, namely those gravitational waves, would be generated in, in regions where gravity is very strong. So it would be very important because precisely it would allow us to test the strong field regime of general relativity, which is something that we haven't been able to do so far. And this would put very you know, strong tests on general relativity. So it's very important that we see black holes because we would get a completely new uh, window into general relativity. That's it for this podcast. In the other part of this interview, Pau explains what black holes are physically and how we hope to observe them. You can find that podcast, as well as the companion articles and video, on the PLUS website, plus.maths.org.
and thanks to Yusa for the music in this podcast. You can find them at soundcloud.com forward slash E-U-S-A.